Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Let's go back to 2011. Look at the World Cup with Squidge. Let's go back. Oh, baby, let's go back with Squidge. Hello and welcome to the Squidge Rugby World Cup Retrospective Podcast, the podcast that is currently enjoying the rest of its broadcasting life. Um, I would like to say that I am Robbie or Squidge or whatever, and I'd like to welcome, as ever, Mr. William Reese Owen. How are you doing? That is me, and I am doing good, thank you. And you know what? Good. How are you? I'm I'm all right. I'm all right, but I'm very excited to introduce our other guest today, our exciting extra guest, who is the one and only Mister Steve Diamond. Steve, how are you doing? Yeah, I'm all right, thanks, lads. How are you doing? Um, yeah, yeah, I'm good. I'm good. Oh, good thanks, um, Steve. Good, thank you. Yeah, yeah. How, how yeah. are you, Steve? Uh, yeah, you know, been better, better weeks, but um. I'm alright, thanks. Yeah. Okay. Come to start my broadcasting life here. Yeah, okay, fair enough. Because uh, has your reign as the King of the North now finished? Uh, no. No, no, no. Still no. King. I'm staying on with that. Okay. Yeah, I've left, left sail, uh, but uh, I'm still King of the North. Okay, okay. That's good to hear, though. You know, every cloud. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'd like to quickly apologise for the fact I've forgotten how to do my Steve Diamond impression. What? It's never as good as Lee's. But... Wait, it... Um, that was no. I'm you? saying I can't do it. I can't. I can't do it to Steve Diamond. Oh, I'm, oh, to to you. I'm so intimidated by Steve Diamond that I've forgotten how to do an impression. Of yeah, him. okay. Yeah, because it would have been funny if you could do an impression of me to me, uh, Steve. No, I'm alright. I'm alright, man. Steve Diamond. Diamond. Could you do an impression of Robbie, yeah. please? All right. Oh, wouldn't it be funny if we finish sixth? Ha <laughs> ha! I'm a massive hairy nerd, but I'm not massive, and I could easily be beaten up by any director of rugby in the Premiership. Dimes, dimes. Uh, all right. Um, j- just so you know, uh, Robbie's in this call, so he's heard this, and he's showed that to his brother, who's also in this call, and all of the listeners of his podcast, and they're all aware of this now. So thanks for that. It didn't, didn't happen. You've, it didn't you've happen. really uh, motivated us to record the rest of this podcast. <laughs> so enjoy the rest of your broadcasting life. Can you do as Steve Diamond did to me and list individually the listeners? Um, <laughs> but go off on a weird one. Like you begin with the two biggest name listeners, as he did for After Click and Manitou Lange, then go off in weird directions and start naming obscure squad players, yeah. as he did when I he mean, rang me. I mean, I... I I don't know. Does anybody actually listen to this podcast? Is the question. Well, Kate Blanchett shoves it on people's ears. Kate Blanchett shoves it on so. people's ears. I mean, Carly Ray listens sometimes, but not always. Yeah, uh, yeah. We have the lawyers always listen in. You know, they're, they're always around. Yeah. And you know, I think some people who we have on as guests, they sometimes listen while we're recording with them. Sure. So I think that's all. <laughs> sometimes, yeah. yeah. Um, ben James didn't. Um, but we are here today to talk about possibly the spiciest game of the 2011 Rugby World Cup, Samoa against South Africa. 
the game finished 13-5 to the Springboks. Uh, it's worth saying that this was the third time the Springboks and South Africa have met in a rugby world. The Springboks and South Africa? Um, Yes, yeah, they'd never <laughs> they met three times. Um, normally, they're the same team. Yeah, they don't really play each other. Uh, no, the Samoa and the Springboks had played each other in a World Cup. Yeah, the previous two times, South Africa went on to win the World Cup. Right. So, okay. Interesting to see if they do it this time. Yeah, at Bryce Lawrence. <laughs> yes. The other interesting thing about that is a stat as well. Uh, the other two games where the Springboks scored four tries, one of them is the infamous game in 1995 where Chester Williams scored four tries. Yes. And the other one, Brian Habana scored four tries. Wow, was that 2007? 2007. Yeah, okay. 2007. I had a feeling that... So, oh, yeah, yeah. There's that really famous trial where he does the dummy at the end, isn't there? That was against yeah. Samoa, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, so they played in the previous World Cup and it finished 59-7 Whoa. for the Springboks. So I think you can see the change that happened in Samoan rugby yeah, in between these absolutely. two. Absolutely, and like uh, thinking back to this game, I mean, going into recording this these podcasts for this tournament, I think this is one of the games I was most looking forward to rewatching. Uh, I yeah. don't think I've seen this game since broadcast in full, and it is one of the uh, you described it as spicy, and I think that's that's the word for it. And it is yes. one of the best games that's not talked about of this whole tournament. Hmm. Yeah, I think it was fantastic. Yeah, it's incredible. And Bethner remembered it being as well. Dare I throw out an actual kind of hot take? Mm-hmm. I think no, not a hot take, but it's. A, a, I think Samoa. Were, take. I think Samoa were the better team. I think they were think really they were. unlucky not to win this game. And going in as soon as you saw the Civitao and just the the confidence they played with the whole game, they looked so sure that they were going to beat the Springboks in this game. Yeah, there was a genuine confidence to it. It wasn't a we're going to take a cheeky pot shot. It wasn't. Which was kind of what Tonga played with, was it? When they beat, when they're going to beat France later on. Yeah, yeah. But there was a actually we're the better team here. Yeah, and I love that you mentioned the Civitao. They did a team talk before the Civitao. Yeah. So Mo Schralga, the captain, called them in. And then did a team talk, and the Springboks were stood in that line with their arms around each other on halfway, as they have to be, waiting for an extra, like, 40 seconds while Schroeder could talk to his troops yeah. before they got out and did the Civitao, and then they had to take the time setting and everything. Which would have been frustrating for the Springboks, but also kind of build this anticipation, and there was such a huge roar in the stands, as, as I mentioned, for all the Pacific Island games in this World Cup. So many Samoans and Tongans and Fijians travelled up to New Zealand, or lived in New Zealand yeah. and were able to travel to and parts of the country, you know? So there was a huge, huge support for Samoa, yeah. as well as obviously, you know, all the neutrals getting behind the Tier 2 team that was really pushing Absolutely. the Tier 1 team. Yeah. And as I said, we've stressed before with Samoa games that they'd beaten Australia in the warm-ups. So this mm. team, as I said before, their confidence was sky high. That they yeah. knew that this, it would still be a scalp, don't get me wrong, but they knew that it was well within the realms of possibility that they could beat the Springboks. Yeah. So if Samoa won, it put them in a pretty good position. Basically, Wales would have needed a losing a try bonus point against Fiji. Yeah, and even then, the Springboks could have fallen out. You know, it would have come down to points difference yeah. between the three teams. Whereas, if they got a losing bonus point and Fiji beat Wales, they'd go through. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Springboks needed only a draw to secure their place in the knockouts. Having so a draw Wales, then would yeah. have put yeah a draw uh, could well have put Wales out if Wales didn't get a try bonus point wow. against Fiji. Okay, yeah. So yes, it was a it's it was a big game. There was a lot open. riding on yeah. it, yeah, because this is a really good Samoa team. Oh, so good! It probably wouldn't be unfair to say this is the greatest starting fifteen Samoa have ever fielded. 
Oh, it's good, isn't it? It's, it's so good. So we'll we'll talk about that. I mean, yeah. First off, there are two names that make me prick my ears up uh, in this back line, <laughs> and we've spoken about Tuolangi, we've spoken about Mapasu, we've spoken about Fotoalii, but mm. one of them is Eliotta Fulmanisopolu, who we'll come on to. Yes, and the other, David Lemmy, playing yeah, his first those game. Those are the only two Cup. changes from the team they played against Wales. Yeah. Uh, they on a free side. They bring in Sensor Johnson at tight head. Yeah. Uh, for Paranese, uh, who obviously Sensor Johnson playing to lose at the time. <laughs> He's very much a finisher in yeah. that he doesn't like to run around for eighty minutes. Um, but they were going to make him. Yeah. So he comes in, and then they bring in David Lemmy on the wing and Eliotta Fuamani Sapolo yeah. in at in for George PC. And right, like George PC, fantastic player. And you completely got where they started him at thirteen. So they kind of default yeah, for sure. But this midfield, man. It's, I love the way they're linked up. It's phenomenal. And uh, as you say, like naturally, Mapasura as a 12 is somebody you can base your game plan around with PC mm. running at 13. They're both in the natural position. But having Fuamano Sapolu at 12 really brought something different. And people weren't expecting a hot stepper in the midfield for Samoa no. at this point. People were expecting, right, Mapasura boshes it up, offloads to PC. That's the sort of game plan we expect. Rather yeah. than Fuamano Sapolu was doing tricks all day yeah and lemmy likewise he's he's one of and a lot of people have said like the amount of people that you read in interviews that have played with david lemmy and they say like he's the best player i've ever played with yeah and it's not surprising because he's one of the best side steppers ever frankly and it's one of those things i hate to use this cliche but especially given the context of what happens later on uh, when we talk about this game but if david mm. lemmy played for a tier one nation people talk about him so much more these days yeah, 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 completely. And you throw in his ability to break down, which is weirdly overlooked because yeah. he's a winger. He, I mean, he wins a turnover in this game, but he was consistently a bit of a threat at the breakdown. Yeah, and for like, a he while. has a moment in the second half where he does a really good handoff. Yes, he was really well rounded. Yeah, you know, like he obviously got compared to Shane Williams because they were both short. Mm-hmm. But even though he had great feet, he was a different kind of player. You say you know, he, did he a wasn't good reliant handoff. on his feet. He handed off Heinrich Brasso. Yes, exactly. That's a good handoff, and that's somebody who's about triple his size. Yeah, yeah. There were a couple of moments when I, because Heinrich Brasso was wearing a white scrum cap, mm-hmm. where I assumed it must be Geo Aplon. Yeah, and then you kind of he'd get caught, and you're like, oh no, I thought he's just very close to the camera. Yeah, and it wasn't it was... even in the Fafter Clerk small man syndrome kind of a way. He just was very good at punching above his weight, David Lemmy, because mm. he's so quick and so talented, and as you say, defensively so great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He completely so, knew what he was doing. And good captain as well for yeah. both Samoa down the line and Bristol, Bristol as well when he was yeah, there. Yeah, absolutely. Good leader. Yeah, um, so he comes in, he's fantastic. And I love that midfield of Fumano Sapolo and Mapasua because they're... typically South Sea Island backlines, all the players either have flair or bosh. Yeah. And this Samoa team was great because virtually all of the players had both. Yeah. <laughs> Except for Tuolangi, who had the most bosh. Yes, yeah. <laughs> there was. There has never been a rugby player who had more bosh than Alizana Tuolangi. Yeah, yeah. Not even Marcello. And also, like, we'll finish off looking at the at the Samoan pack. Obviously, you've got Leo and Thompson in the second row. Tai yes. Tuafua had a great game against Wales previously. Mm. And on the bench, look at those names. You've got Logo Mulipolo, you've got Joe Takori, you've got Trevor Arnas, you've got George PC. That's a hell of a bench. Uh, you've got Junior Pollo and Gaga, 
Going, Polo and Ganga, who of course liked your tweet the other day. He did. Yeah. So you're basically I'm, I'm friends with the Samoa team. Mate, you're basically yeah. on the bench as well. Yeah. yeah. You were third choice, I think, actually. If there was an injury, you would have come in on the bench. That would have been nice. Yeah. Yeah. So looking at the Springbok team, again, it's mm. mostly the first team. Pat Lambie comes in at fullback. But otherwise, it's pretty much the first team, isn't it? Bismarck Duplessis yeah. rotated in for John Schmidt, which makes sense. It, yeah. This was Bismarck Duplessis' first World Cup start, despite wow. him despite him having a World Cup winner's medal. Yeah, that's crazy. And is... for so long being considered the best hooker in the world. Yeah, but he, he is kind of almost the South African Josh Turnbull. <laughs> <laughs> he would love in to be he, given that accolade. I, I so would Josh Turnbull. In that he, Josh Turnbull infamously has two Six Nations winners' medals, but didn't play a game in either of those campaigns. Isn't it three? Is it, oh no, it is three. You're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. He didn't slams. play a game in two Grand Slams and a Six Nations winners' medal, and he didn't play a minute in any of those games. Hell of a strike in right, any man. of those tournaments. It's yeah. incredible. Like he must have the most championship titles to minutes played of any player in <laughs> history. I think. I think that's probably a safe bet. So to start looking at the game, obviously, as you say, mm. Samoa do the silver out and they look up for it. Samoa kick off to JP Peterson, who immediately makes a bit of a half break, and you start to think, okay, South Africa's tails could get up here. Fora Dupriya does this really nice box kick, and bombs it up for Habana, who catches it, and Mm. they're immediately in the Samoan 22. Monistain goes for a drop goal and misses it about 90 seconds in. At this point, you're thinking South Africa's statement of intent is already being laid down. Because they're not just chucking it about. No. They're prepared to take the three points. They're not messing around, but they're taking this seriously enough and they're playing with enough flair. Yeah. You think there's an all-court game here and it's dangerous. And they know that tomorrow are a threat. They don't... Yeah. They're not looking at this like Australia did, where they go, oh, tier two team, we'll cruise past them. It's not one of those. Yeah. South Africa are not complacent at any point in this game. No, I think they, they saw them lose to Australia. They went, well, that's a massive banana skin. Yeah. You, know? you saw Wales only just scrape by with their first And they clearly did their analysis on yeah, they they did the homework. Yeah, they yeah. knew how to what they were supposed to do, because you assume that when a game is this close, or we say Samoa were the better team, uh, or whatever, you assume it's because the opposition have slipped up. But no, South Africa did everything yeah. they had to do to win this game. I also want to add that the South African pack is bloody massive, and I love them. Thanks, Steve. But you should not sign enough a lot of them. Actually, Steve, there's no not idea. enough people called Dupree. I want to sign them all. <laughs> Thanks, Steve. Cheers, Steve. But Why yes, is Paul so... not playing for you, Steve. He played. Oh. I not tried to sign enough? him. I tried to sign him, but apparently he's not retired and not a second row. <laughs> okay. Thanks, Steve. So, yeah, you mentioned that start. Uh, Samoa then take the drop out quickly after the, the ball goes dead yeah. from the drop goal attempt. Of the first three minutes and four seconds, right, the ball is in play for two minutes, 57 of them. That's already There tightened. are seven seconds in which Samoa get the ball from... It going dead to taking the drop out. Wow. That's the only time that the ball isn't in play. Like there isn't a set piece. The first set piece is on five minutes twenty two. Wow, wow. Like it's kind of the ball is just constantly in play, and the, it, again, it's a proper kind of statement of South Africa run every. Well, they don't run everything, but no. they're prepared to run, and they also then box kick and Habana chases incredibly well. Yeah, and then when Samoa get it, they try and run from the twenty two, and they do get up past halfway. Yeah, yeah. until eventually when the game stops. The reason there's that stoppage at three minutes and then, you know, there isn't a set piece till five minutes gone because Francois Stain takes a shot from well inside his own half. Right. Let's the talk Springboks about The Springboks win this. a penalty. Yes. So he, he has three attempts at this. 
So yes. there's the first one, he does it from about the 10 metre line in his own half. And yeah. it's that point where he misses it, it goes slightly off, oh, it comes off the crossbar, doesn't it? Uh, the first yeah, one. Yeah, it hits one post and bounces off the crossbar and then off that right. back over. Yeah. Back into the field of so play. So at that point, that's ball. the one where you think, okay, let's not give anything away because South Africa are going to yeah. take these. There's another one later on where he misses slightly to the left that I was thinking of. Yeah. And there's another one in between those two where he takes it <laughs> on halfway in the corner. And yeah. uh, what came to mind is, is that's a cheat code, being able to nail that, that. Yeah. It's bullshit. Yeah. Like it's not, it isn't even on halfway, it's like two or three metres behind halfway. Yeah. Like, you just um, can't give away a penalty because the they'll just score three points. Or it is the most difficult of the three. Yeah. You know, the other two are roughly between the posts and he just about misses them from them the from halfway line five to yards, the 10 meter line. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But if you adjust the angle, that's probably a similar distance there. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And the target is smaller, you know, because yeah. you're aiming on the angle. Yeah. So it's a hugely impressive kick and you assume there's no way he's ever getting this. Yeah. And yet... As you say, it's a cheat code. It's that kind of, that thing Razzy Erasmus used to say about, like, what if you could cheat? Yeah. You know, like, oh, it is cheating. It is cheating having Francois stay in the new team. Yeah. Because he can hit any penalty from 75 metres. And annoyingly, straight afterwards, Samoa kicked the ball out on the fall and give away a scrum mm. penalty. Dan Leo gets done for back chat and Mornay Stain kicks one over from, like, 43 metres or something. So, like, even yeah. he can boot it miles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was the annoying thing about that team. Similar to the Argentina team at the minute. Like you look at that Argentina against Australia game. What the raw the first draw they had. Oh. Yeah, <laughs> that's a dangerous thing to say. Yeah. Oh, I that. don't know what is racism. I don't know. Um, thanks, Steve. Um, so the yeah, so that that game between Argentina and Australia, the first draw, the fifteen all one, rather than the sixteen all one. Yeah where the Pumas didn't get inside Australia's... I think they got inside Australia's 22 once, but they scored 12 points um, in that you know first kind of yeah. whatever it was, that period, because they had two kickers who could hit, hit it from halfway. Yeah. So they were just kicking from 40 plus metres. And it feels like bullshit, but that's part of the game. Yeah, you know? Part of the game is just so. taking opportunities. Yeah, and they sure. could have got into the 22 if they'd kicked down the line, but instead they took those shots. Yeah. And it's such a big part of modern... I'm amazed consistently... That people complain about box kicking and people are box kicking so much at the minute and generally kicking so much. And yet so many teams are obsessed with this Exeter thing of always going for the corner. Yeah. I feel like because it works for one team, everyone does it. Everyone's trying to do it. I hate that. Like, no, just take all the shots. Yeah. If you're going to kick all the ball twice. constantly, yeah. Oh, it, 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 yeah. I don't get it. I don't get it, it at all. My you know? But yeah. Sorry, go on, this game. Back to the game. So yeah. eight minutes in, South mm. Africa having... Defended like Tusi PC made this break and offloaded to George Stowers. Mm. And there was there was a few really nice pieces of offloading from Samoa. Who again they're here to play the the Mapasua one for his legs. Oh yes, please, I'll have some more of that. There's a there's a glorious moment of Samoan handling where it looks like they've messed up one pass and Mapasua launches it through his legs and then has a great run down the wing. Yeah, and like I've literally written Mapasua for a legs pass. Let's go. And they have a great attacking set from there. PC and Fotoli both make breaks. Because Mark Duplessis ends up turning the ball over. But mm. yeah, so eight minutes in after South Africa have slightly humoured what Samoa are bringing to them. They spread the ball out to Brian Habana. Duplessis mm. actually makes a bit of a Horlicks of the final pass. But Habana regathers it and manages to dive in the corner to score the first try of the game. And at this point you're thinking, okay, South Africa could... They could almost be the party wreckers themselves you know yeah when... so i've written something down in my notes on that try mm-hmm. right 
And I, I think it's a completely new and original observation that no one in rugby has ever made before. I think I know where you're going to go with this. Okay. Brian Habana can finish. He's pretty good, isn't he? He's good, isn't he? Like, he's good at that because he makes it look like a simple finish. That is not a simple finish. No, not at all. Make no mistake. If you were to watch that try, it's on YouTube on its own. That That is not that easy a finish, yet he makes it look so simple. Yeah. Especially because the... The pass isn't great. It is in front of him. He bobbles it. He regathers it instantly. Gets it into the at correct arm. Speed, manages yeah. to slide. Yet does this all at full speed with two Samoans coming across to cover. Yeah. You will see a lot of wingers blow that. Brian Habana makes it look like the easiest well. thing in the world. Yeah. I I mean, it's 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 not an easy one at all. I think Mapasu is coming across. Yeah. Maybe George Stowers as well, I think, actually is there. Whoever it is, if it's one of those three players, the amount of times you see any of those three players knocking people into touch. Yeah. Habana does so well to finish that. More wingers than not in this World Cup would not have finished that try. Yeah, yeah. But Brian Habana makes it look like a simple regulation finish. Yeah. Because he was extremely good at the thing he did, which was scoring tries. Yeah. He doesn't get three more of them in this game, you know, but still he makes a statement. And that, before Stain converts it, it sends them 7-0 up. And then they score those two penalties we've just spoken about. And Mm. that, 26 minutes in, is South Africa's lot in this game. Yes, they've taken all their opportunities that all happened to come in the first 26 minutes and mm. I don't think it's a tiredness thing don't get me wrong I think that the Habana try gave somewhere a bit of a kick up the arse yeah. in terms of the, how smart they are in defence no one doubts their aggression and the pressure that they put on but I think South Africa with that little bit smarter than them once or twice to get round them I think that did yeah. give them that little kick up the backside they needed yeah but the other notable thing is I think South Africa do have the best defence in this World Cup. Yeah. And I so they hold Samoa a lot. You know, South Africa conceded three tries over this whole World Cup. Yeah. That's um, which is a really impressive stat. So the tries Samoa eventually scored in this game is only the second they conceded. Yeah. Which is huge. To say they played, you know, Fiji weren't brilliant in this World Cup, but they could chuck the ball about. And the Samoan Welsh team both played really good attacking rugby and scored a I lot of tries. Just realised no backs scored against South Africa in this World Cup. Huh. It was all back yeah, five right. forwards. It was all forwards. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. Because all of them were then finished from short range. Yeah. They would constantly eat the odd break, but they scrambled and really that's well. that's the thing. Samoa got round the South African team better than any other mm. team in this World Cup. And, yeah. you know, they played Wales, uh, who got went on to the semi-final. They played Fiji, albeit not a great Fiji team. They played Australia. Yeah. But this Samoa team were the one that, that they did the best of actually toying with the South African backline of any yeah. of the teams. Yeah, particularly in the second half. Samoa started to get a lot of change out of them. Yeah, they really let rip in the second half. There's one point towards the end of the first half I want to quickly touch upon where mm. David Lemmy puts in this tackle on Fora de Priya where he manages to strip the ball out of his grasp uh, as yes. he's running across field and Samoa get the scrum put in. They're inside their own 22 on the right-hand side. And South Africa clearly set up for them to exit. And instead of exiting, they hit Eliotta Fulmanisipolu in midfield, who does this really nice offload over the top to Mapasua. Mm. And it's such a high-risk play, but Samoa make it all the way down into the South African half, and maybe even into the 22, I think? Yeah, yeah. Had, so Fulmanisipolu only seemed to pull high-risk plays and... 
Like, 95% of them seem they to come all off. all seem to come off, yeah. And the only ones that don't, he'll throw passes that should be intercepted. The only reason they ever don't come off is because his teammate knocks it on, because they don't yeah. see him coming. Yeah. Like, But 95% of the time, they're coming off. They're working. He was all over the place. He was pick, popping up at first he receiver sometimes. There was yeah. a few times he covered at fullback when he noticed Paul Williams was jumping into the line, which for a 12 mm. to be doing that is a high work rate. And he was yeah, just yeah. Flicking, flinging the ball behind his back and stuff. And like, it was always coming off. Those passes were sticking. And, you know, credit to him. You know, sometimes you have days where they all come off and just keep going for them when they're uh, working. Even against the spring is... box, you've got to pull something special out to beat these guys. Like, if, you know, you coach kids, right? He is the last player you'd ever tell the child to look at and say, <laughs> copy what he's doing. Yeah. Because everything he does will not work for most people, but he is so freakishly talented and clearly works hard at it and knows what he's doing. And he's got this incredible spatial... He's almost got, like, spider sense. Yeah. In, he's aware of other people around him without looking, you know? He's kind of completely aware where all his teammates are. And clearly a bit like the new Spider-Man or any of the Spider-Man games. Like, the enemies come up in different colours, so he knows not to pass yeah, to them. Yeah, <laughs> And he is just kind of floating these balls nonchalantly in that kind of, you know, in the way all of us could do if given half an hour to pass the ball yeah. into that spot. He's doing it in a split second with three other people in the hazard lights in the way. And I he's so good. just how good and... he was. I thought about, I was. I remembered his box of tricks. And, you know, yeah. I spoke before about that try he scored for Gloucester where he got the ball three or four times and did a load yeah. of no-look passes and that dummy against the Dragons and stuff like that. I didn't remember quite how balanced a runner he was. Uh, there's a moment in the second half where um, Tootsie PC runs a, a loop, which he did oh, quite a few times. Oh, yes, please. He then gives it on to Phil Manasopolo, who looks like he's crashing the ball in floats it perfectly over the top to Mapasua, who looks like he's crashing it in, who throws a, like, 20-metre mispass out to Lemmy, who makes a break down the wing. It's, no, it's a Tuolangi. Tuolangi, yeah. Tuolangi, who runs into, like, three people. Yeah. Because he's, he had the most bosh. Yeah. So, <laughs> it's... Gl- the amount of involuntary noises I made watching the Samoan team in the second half, because all of their movements look pre-planned, they look really well rehearsed, yeah. but they're clearly on the fly. I would... They just understand how each other play. Well, not necessarily on the fly, but they're kind of... They don't. They look pre-rehearsed, but I don't yeah. think they're really well rehearsed. I would have spent loved half an hour going over them. the opportunity to go and watch this team train in the week for South Africa. Yes. Um, oh, that would have been great. Yeah, particularly the back line and just seeing some of the moves they will have pulled off. And I, as you say, like I reckon there will have been even some first phase moves that might have been improvised where they just think this yeah, is yeah. how they defend. This is how we get to that channel. And Sapolo seems like one of those players. I remember that. Um, do you remember when uh, Nick Cummins played for the Barbars against Australia and he scored yes. that try down the middle? Francis Saeli yeah. made that move up on the spot. Oh, really? And, yeah, yeah. Nick Cummins has said that before, that he'd spoke to... Uh, Maritz Boschoff was playing fly-off at that point. Yeah. And Saeli just that. said, right, that's so, uh, the is going to run this line. I'm going to run behind him. Then he's going to pop the ball on the right-hand side. Nick Cummins is going to run into that gap and we'll score. Uh, he just mm. said that as the scrum was setting and they scored. Do you know what he should have just said to the Honey Badger? What? He should have just gone into him. Yeah, of the guts in But I imagine from one, I suppose, that kind of player, that he reads yeah. the game that well, that he can yeah, think yeah. of stuff like that. There's um, the last little point on the first half was, I mean, Mapasua makes a couple of half breaks and then uh, South Africa kick it down into the Samoan 22. Tuolangi think for some reason that the correct thing to do would be to try and chip and chase his way out of the 22 when he's got like two <laughs> men pressurising him. And he yeah. somehow, it somehow works when it just shouldn't. Yeah. But it does. I I love this Samoan team's commitment to playing, you know. Yeah. Like, there was... They would boot the ball quite a lot, but 
they their first option was always to attack. You know, like they were looking to attack even when they didn't have the ball. Even when the Springboks had the ball, they were physically attacking them. Yeah. You know, there was such aggression to everything they did of, we want to score. They did nothing half-heartedly, did they, Samoa? No. No, it was, they were excellent. But I, again, the Springbok defence was so good. And I think if Samoa had played like this, especially with the centres, the two centres together, playing that well, it's, they would have beaten most teams. Yeah, for sure. And like, they probably wouldn't have beaten this All Blacks team in this World Cup no. because they were so good. Yeah. And the Springbok team defended so well. They probably would have beaten the England team that turned up to this World oh, Cup. Oh, no doubt. Know? No doubt. There was a kind of belligerence to that England side that means they may have pulled through because yeah. they had kind of Johnny Wilkinson kicking everything. <laughs> Except against Argentina. I think they'd have beaten this England but team. But they, they would have beaten virtually any T1 team, I think, other than the Springboks who were kind of the, the worst match for them. Yeah, and they should have beaten Wales, frankly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. The, that's the thing, though. Probably the better team They would have battered Wales. France. Oh, yeah, for sure. Uh, or they'd have got battered by France. Who they, knows? They wouldn't have beaten the Australian team that turned up for this World Cup because no. they'd already beaten them once in the war. Yes, yeah, right. You know, we saw they could have beaten Australia, but I think Australia would have been wise to it if they'd come to this World yeah, Cup. Yeah, for sure. Um, but yeah, last thing in the first half is mm. Fotoli makes this break where he has a bit of a dummy and a bit of a dart around a Springbok defender and he kind of ducks under somebody. Yes. And then he manages to break straight through and he's got Mapasua supporting him, gives him the ball, and JP mm. Peterson covers half the length of the pitch to get him down. Mapasua, for some reason, then flings the ball behind his back. The ball then I hits... I think he must have heard a call or something. Yeah. Like, he just kind of... He flings the ball in panic like there's a man coming. Yeah. And it's one of the very rare passes, because there's a lot of those that Samoa throw in hope more than expectation, yeah. where they just happen to hit someone, yeah. you know? Where they just happen to find a runner coming. Like, there's a particularly brilliant pick-up of his toes, Tuolangi does. Yes. From a... Like a... Again, one of those passes Mapasua makes in the second half, where he just knew he had to get it out. He knew there was space outside him, and he didn't matter about the quality of the pass. Yeah. And so he throws it basically to Tuolangi's toes. But the important thing was he got it to Tuolangi's yeah. kind of general area. But this one doesn't go to anyone. There's no well, one there. it goes to Nigel well, Yes, there's one person there. And it bounces off him, and Samoa dive on the ball, and Nigel follows the protocol and blows it for half-time. Because uh, 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 no, 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 you've missed something. What? Samoa dive on the ball, they, um, then the Springboks turn it over. And have the ball back. Oh, do they now? Nigel Owens has a clear look on his face of, I don't want to blow for this. You know, I right. want to let things play on. And so when Mo Schwalger complains at half time to him, as he blows the whistle for half time, saying it hit me, I can't play on, he said they'd regathered it anyway. Right. Because okay. the ball was on the Springbok side. Okay, so he did show some empathy. Because clearly he looks guilty. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's a difficult protocol, isn't it? It is. Because uh, it kind of just that... hits his boots. Yeah. And it doesn't really change anything, you know? And as much as the Samoa had had better sort of chances and stuff this is the one that looked most like it was going to result in a try uh, yeah. because of the momentum and the yeah. speed that was going into it should we i was avoiding talking about the referee because i think that's something we have to get onto. should we talk about the other thing this game's known for okay we you know we've been here half an hour yeah i'm gonna ask steve to leave the room because we know his thoughts on refereeing yeah um all right sorry lads uh i'll be having a lovely time i'm Piss off to off, go steve oh but so, sorry, you can um, sit in the waiting room. See with you, Steve. P money. Yeah, you can. You'll wait for P money. Uh, don't don't talk to the lawyers. Um, <laughs> no, please, for the love of God, don't. <laughs> One um, of them in particular is pretty fuming in this game. Yes. So, should we mention him? Let's talk about this particular lawyer. Um, we are, of course, we've we've waxed lyrical about him, Eliotta Thuamanu Sapoli. 
He wasn't who... just a pretty face and a pretty pair of hands. So, um, in the last minute of the game, he makes quite a good carry. <laughs> and Nick Mullins makes a very accurate prediction, followed by one that I wish had been more accurate. He's half right. Yeah. <laughs> He's half right that Fumani Sapolu was very busy on his Twitter feed that day. Do you want to tell us what he, what he tweeted? So, I'm reading this from a, a Wales Online article, uh, which okay. sums this up quite nicely. Fumani Sapolu uses Twitter account to accuse the World Cup organisers of discrimination in the way the games were scheduled, posting, it wasn't about the World Cup today. The Rugby World Cup has been invalidated when they give us half the rest that the rich have. And then he began foul mouth messages, including the words, fuck this bullshit we had to put up with. And what a fucking joke. The Rugby World Cup is bullshit. Kiss my ass. We were climbing a mountain all tournament. You saw the game. Bullshit. I can guarantee Nigel Owens is a wanted man in Samoa. Dead, he says. And I'm not making this up. I'm not exaggerating this. These are all direct no, no, quotes these, from things these, he these tweeted publicly. He replied to retweets by writing, uh, I don't even have to say anything. You're all saying it. I'm just retweeting it. Ha. That's why we need a neutral ref. All I'm hearing is how bullshit the ref was. Ha ha. He said even worse things. He threatened to cut Nigel Owens' genitals, calling him a gay bastard. Flooded the referee's oh, no. Facebook wall. I hadn't wall, heard that. Yeah, with a number yeah. of posters calling his decisions racist. Do you want the, the quotes from his Facebook wall? Go on. So Nigel posted on Facebook saying something about, you know, tough game, whatever. Yeah. Thank you for, you know, the, 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 the generic kind of post-match thing. And there was then some criticism underneath of how he'd refereed the game. Yeah. Fumani Sapolu said, I can understand the hate. Ha ha, good luck, you racist, biased prick. Someone then replied, and he replied to that, saying, get SA, South Africa, into the next round. The plan was obvious. Can't wait to meet IRB members in public. Which is ominous already. Nigel Owens yes. responds, saying, I go out to referee every game to the best of my ability, fairly and honestly, just like the way I've been brought up to be. I'm assuming I will make mistakes on the field and will hold up my hand when I do. And if I do, uh, it, I have no regrets. Uh, but the one thing I'm not is racist or a cheat. I'm the last person who wants to be racist. I'm gay and know what it's like to be in the minority. So please get your facts right before you comment. Thank you. Which is a fairly candid response from Nigel, to be honest. Yeah. Uh, I think he had to respond. He couldn't just ignore this. Yes. I remember that tweet about him saying that was the hardest game he's ever refereed. Yeah. I can remember I replied to that tweet at the time when I was 14 and a big fan mm. of Nigel's saying that and I stand by this watching the game back. I don't really think he made many mistakes. No. I think there's there's the thing with um, the catching the ball at the end so, of the first half was contentious until you've explained it to me now. There was a yes. penalty that Jack Free gives away in the second half that I thought should be a yellow card where he deliberately knocks the ball on. Mm. Otherwise, I, I don't think he did anything wrong. I remember saying this at the time and I remember saying that I thought Nigel Owen should have got man the match. I remember saying that in the tweet and he replies saying, thanks, mate, or something like that. That's nice. Yeah. So I actually, having rewatched this, having kind of seen the game live and, you know, as it happens, you watch, or at least I do anyway, I watch the rugby more than I watch the referee. Yeah, naturally. And you kind of, you know, 
Um, the there is one point in which Tua Lange does exactly the thing that we both got so annoyed about Anthony Watson doing at the weekend and gets away with it uh, okay. in the way no one talked about. We didn't like this. This hasn't come up. No one talked about this. No. There's a moment in that We've final of the alternation card where it. we were yeah we were fur- both furious about it because it should have been the yellow card where Watson dives on the ball uh, while Jalabert's chasing him and then uh, as Jalabert's there. Uh, he spills the ball backwards. He then rolls, recovers it on the floor, and then presents it back as though it's a ruck, as though he didn't lose it. Yeah. Which is a yellow card because he's played the ball on the floor to prevent France getting it. Yeah, on in a twenty-two on a try scoring opportunity. Yeah. Like, there's a talk. You could, you'd need to look at it on a wide angle. There's talk it could possibly be a penalty try. You know, it's it's a deliberate yellow card. Yeah. Too long. He does that at one point. He misses it completely. But I actually, sorry, that was just a little rant. Yeah. Needlessly. So it all begins. About seven or eight minutes in, Samoa have a really good attack where they have some nice kind of interplay, and then Fotoali makes a kind of takes a quite nice offload, makes another offload to I think it's Mapasua, yeah. uh, who then crashes it up the five meters out, and they start doing a series of pick and goes and kind of playing one off the ruck, and then Dan Leo has kind of been wiped off his feet in clearing out one of Samoa's own ball. He then, having been kind of out the game on the floor, gets up and tries to re-enter, but he's in the side. You know, he tries yeah. to contest again. And it's one of these penalties that you see teams get away with, but Samoa don't hear. And yeah. like, it is a it's penalty, but yeah, exactly. Like, it's a, it's, it's not a harsh penalty because it is a penalty, but it's a letter of the law penalty, you know. And because nothing's sort of happening in that ruck, you know, it's it's one of those where it could possibly be a scrum to the team going forward. Yeah. Um, but then there's an offence committed, yeah. and it's quite a harsh penalty, but it is a penalty. And most Rolga is fuming at that, and he starts shouting at Nigel. Um, he shouts something initially that you can't hear, and then he says, they were lying all over our ball, we had to do it. And Nigel gives 10 metres yeah. for the back chat. At which point, you can hear both the Samoan fans and the Samoan players suddenly turn on him. Yeah, And it's one penalty decision, and they kind of lose their heads. Instead of going, okay, that's a shame, you know, we they blew that chance, but it was a bit of niggle, it was kind of silly, but, you know, we can avoid that. They kind of go, oh, this referee is biased and hates us. Yeah. And it kind of completely swings there. And it isn't helped with a couple of things that happened in the second half. So, like, there's a... Or rather, towards the, in the rest of that half. Basically, it's that, you know, it's that one call and then the thing at half time, uh, And there's another point in which South Africa absolutely destroyed the Samoan scrum. Uh, Kane Thompson is on the side and gets angry and starts shoving people in the face. Which is silly, niggle, yeah. pointless, whatever. Nigel calls him over, has a word, you know, he's given the penalty. Uh, and the penalty has come anyway for the scrum. Yeah. But there's this real feeling of injustice suddenly to Samoa. Yeah. And they're kind of, they kind of built this victim complex before they'd lost anything, you know, before they were even victims. They kind of built this like, oh, it's pointless, this referee, you yeah. know. When actually, I think after that point, after you can hear the crowd booing Nigel and you can hear the Samoan players are fuming with him. Yeah. And in the second half, I don't know if you caught this. Nigel makes maybe the worst judge joke of his entire career. Right. Because Nigel is one for making dumb jokes sometimes. Sure. But he says at one point to... Most Rogue has been complaining at him for quite a while. And before line-out throw, he's just moaning at him. And um, Nigel tells him to get on with it. And then Schwalke continues complaining to him. And then Nigel says, you don't want to be playing against 16 men, do you? Get on with it. Ah, uh, that's not a good one, Nigel. Which is... <laughs> really the worst thing is at the time Nick Mullins is saying over the top he's talking about how how Nigel is a comedian and has you know been on stage and yeah. he's done all of this has this background in it and then he makes that joke over the top of it and it's kind of like that is the worst joke it's he will good. make in his career yeah. especially um, given the context that, of what Phil Manus yeah. said 
because I do, I think that there's a, I think Nigel starts to be really lenient to Samoa. Yeah. I, say, I think he wanted to play on at half time in that contentious call. He wanted to give Samoa the benefit of the doubt. And I think there's a few, there's more 50-50s go to Samoa than do to South Africa. And he starts to kind of feel the pressure of what's going on of the kind of, because the Samoa team are losing their heads. And yeah. there's a few times where he has to, I say it's a really difficult way to get referee and he's a really good job. But he does give a couple of 50-50s to Samoa, yeah. where you feel they could have potentially gone to South Africa. But that's what refereeing rugby game's like. Exactly. I don't happen. think... I think Nigel has a really good game. I think he does. As I said, at the time, this is such a difficult test match. And I said at the time that I I think he should have been man of the match, which, you know, is me being yeah. 14 and a big fan of Nigel. Yes. Whatever. But to suggest that... And Fumar, I suppose, says something else about the fact that to have a Welshman refereeing this game is ridiculous. He clearly just wanted the Springboks to win um, and just yeah. follow the script. Because that's the, if the result finished without Samoa getting a losing bonus point, which yeah. means Wales are through now. Yeah. So you kind of get that point, you know. It's like the the, the whole Romania-Belgium situation yeah. um, a few years ago. But frankly... But like, it's not. It, Nigel Owens is... is uh, say what you want about his anecdotes and uh, jokes he makes on the yeah. pitch or whatever. He is a very good referee uh, and yeah. always has been. And nobody would, in, other than Sofranas Polu, would ever question his integrity... <laughs> yes. Uh, in terms of like, and we we witnessed him refereeing a Wales game now. If but I always said this at the time, you know, if he refereed a Wales game, I trust that he'd be completely unbiased. He's now done that. Yeah, Granted, yeah. it was against the Barbarians, but I I just he's not that kind of a character, you know. And it's easy for me to say this, and naturally some bias might come in when you're refereeing, sometimes against the team that you support in the yeah, yeah. commas. It's the the infamous story about the '97 Lions tour. No, sorry, 74 Lions tour, yeah. rather. Where, I don't, I've, I've got a weird thing, I might have told this on the podcast before, but I don't think I have. I don't think so. It's in Ian McGee's autobiography, it's quite interesting. Yeah. Where he, basically, because, you know, back in those days, you couldn't really fly in neutral referees for each game yeah. of your game. The Springboks gave the Lions a choice of referee. They went, okay, for each game, we've got a panel of like five South African referees and you can choose it. Yeah. So it's kind of level, it's kind of fair. Yeah. Uh, you can choose which one referees the game. And the Lions chose one who had been massively biased against them in a previous test, yeah. in a pre- one of the warm-up games, uh, and had given every call to the other team. And basically, he was then really biased towards the Lions because he never thought he'd get to referee a test match. Yeah, it And sense. it was this kind of like, he thought he'd shout the bed, he thought he would never get this opportunity, and he was so thankful that he started giving the Lions calls. Yeah. So there's yeah, something, I guess, against his own country. You know? Yeah, for sure. Um, so yeah, there's something of that kind of... Yeah, it's thing. to to wrap this point up about Fulman Sapolu, he was yes. banned for six months after this from rugby. I think he had a Twitter taken off him as well for a while. Mm. Obviously, he's back on it now, and you know he's he's not louder than ever, but he still he still you know likes to make his opinions known on Twitter these days. He's very anti-lockdown. Oh, is he now? Yes, <laughs> I miss of course that. He is. But I mean, particularly during you know when people started uh, talking over the summer about Black Lives Matter and everything, he was particularly vocal yeah. during that period. And, I mean, I didn't know the thing about him making, dare I say, homophobic comments towards Nigel. Say, no, I didn't. Yeah, I didn't know about that. I don't know, I don't have any update for you on that, unfortunately. Hmm. I, yeah, I don't want to make any judgments about whether or not it's, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's not an acceptable thing to say, uh, regardless of how he feels now. Uh, or, you know, I, I'm not the person to judge whether or not Fulwana Sapolo is a homophobe. No. So, yeah. when he got back to Gloucester and he did play again after this World Cup, right? 
Uh, their first game was against Saracens, where he played against Owen Farrell, right? Uh, a young Owen Farrell, who brilliantly, in the, the kind of report on this, the RV published, they referred to Owen Farrell as a professional rugby player. <laughs> this uncapped young Owen Farrell, because like, no one had heard of him. Yeah. And Fumanu Sapolu then... Oh God, I remember this. Yep. Uh, he tweeted, to young rugby players, do not be arrogant. If you want to be tough on the field, make sure you're tough off it to back it up. Hashtag Farrell. He then sent another tweet tagging in Owen Farrell, uh, <laughs> saying, what goes on the pitch stays on the pitch, question mark. Don't use the pitch to showcase your, all caps, fake toughness, you pussy shit. <laughs> That wasn't what I thought you were going to say. I love it when players talk big on, in the field, in front of the camera. I like to hit them big off the field with no cameras around. Raised in New Zealand and Samoa. I've never heard that shit before. Good luck to you, bro, when you tour around my parts. Jesus. Which is ambitious to say he thinks a tier one nation is going to tour Samoa. Mm, yeah. Yeah. What I thought you were going to talk about. Do you remember the time when Fimano Sapolu compared Owen Farrell to Hiroshima because of the amount of bombs he sticks up in a game? Yeah. Yeah, after the whole World Rugby Holocaust thing, it's there's places you just don't go. Anyway, it's let's wrap this up. Say we do not condone, we actively condemn the actions of Fumano Sapolu, but man could step. Yes, really good rugby player, and I think, I think since he has come round on a lot of those things, I think he has. Yeah, he's always been outspoken. I think he he's talked a lot when he left Gloucester as well about how it changed you know, his life and it changed how he viewed everyone outside the Pacific Islands. Okay, yeah. I think he was, you know, very, he had a very inset opinion of the English. Yeah. And he kind of learned actually it's a bit more even, it's a bit more equal. Yeah. Um, and not everyone is a shared, which, yeah. to be fair, I don't blame him for thinking that of the UK. <laughs> you know, I, I I don't blame him coming to that conclusion. But yeah, I think it's a really thorny issue with Tuvalu Sipoli. Yeah. Uh, as I said, I think, I hadn't heard the stuff he said about Nigel yeah. about being it's difficult the, the homophobic to talk stuff, about, which is... Um, but... Yeah, yeah, and as I say, I'm, it's not my place and to judge look, him as a you, person. I think there's something to be said for you. Fast forward a few years, and Israel Folau makes homophobic comments, yeah. and he is uniform, pretty much uniformly kicked yeah. for it. You know, and I would say rightly so. Yeah. yeah. So it is encouraging of how far rugby came in what five years, five society years, five years between, as well as just rugby. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. So it's it. It's awful, um, as I say, I'm very firmly against it, yeah. but I do think there's some encouragement to be made in both that he's grown, yeah. and that rugby kind of let that slip, and I hadn't heard it, yeah. you know? Yeah, yeah, I don't know. It's a whole... Yeah. <sighs> I get he's the just, moment and the... everything. Um, yeah, and the other the thing head, is, that kind of... You don't say that. Him jumping on racism because it's a motive, yeah. you know? Whereas you can say biased, but he jump he kind of wastes calling someone right, you know, yeah, like cheapening. He almost cheapens he referring does. to racist. Like what Pablo Matera said was racist. What Nigel Owens did, I don't, you have no reason to believe it is. No, you know, like I have seen no evidence whatsoever that it's on. I don't know. It's a yeah. whole thing, but I kind of I think it's enormously problematic. Yeah, and like I don't. It's not for me to say whether a person of color, you know, to tell a person of color whether or not something. Oh racist. yeah, yeah, of course. But no, it's, we're not know, here to I don't, mansplain yeah. or white explain. Yeah. Uh, I believe is the yes. Word. Yeah, but yeah. I I completely get why Nigel said it was the hardest game he ever had to referee. Yeah. But um, and 
Yeah. I, as I've said this many times, I'm not here to judge Fumas Pozo's character today. And like, I know that's ironic no. given the whole thing about Pablo Matera and the comments being made nine yeah. years ago. And we, yeah. myself included, jump on him because you can't say shit like that. Yeah. Because the, the other side of that as well is he didn't face consequences at the time. Yeah. You know? And there has to be some sort of consequences True. to them. And Fumas Pozo did. And that's why, yeah. that's why I want... I'm not giving him the benefit of the doubt by any means here. But yeah. I don't know what I can't judge what he's like as a person today because I don't know whether he is I don't know what he's saying to other people you know about you know standing up for other people in minorities these days you know whereas we know that Pablo Matera never got punished and therefore probably never stopped being a racist in the next last five years the thread I did about how he's basically been rewarded for all his aggressive behaviour and so on at the time the Pablo Matera is a separate Um, I don't know if we're getting onto that now but it's a I I say you know on that listen to the the two Uga Monia the both the thing you said on rugby tonight and also the interview you gave on Five Live about it yeah which is very good uh, and Matt Dawson asks a stupid question in response and Monia kind of shuts it down in like a, no I'm sick of answering <laughs> these stupid questions yeah. so yeah and oh, so much time for Uga Monia yeah and he loves our mum yes yes okay okay I think that's the politics out oh. of the way yeah. I mean, it's kind of exhausting it because it did dominate this game as a kind of occasion yeah. and in terms of what people talk about when they talk about this game. <sighs> right. Yeah. Um, Deep breath. Rugby. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Yeah. So, we, I think, should move on swiftly. Yeah. And I, you know, I worry about how... Nuance or unnuance that was, but it's a, let's say, really thorny issue. Yeah. <laughs> the other thing actually to mention quickly, very quickly, uh, in the pre-mass press conference, Peter de Villiers, always a character, the Springbok coach at the time, oh. said he thinks the hacker had passed its sell-by date. Oh, no. Which clearly went down really well. Yeah. Everyone loved that. However, I do want to give you a quick update on all the money in the world. Okay, please do. Okay. That now belongs so. to TCPC and or a Martian. Yes, so the Martian, it somehow ended up in the, the, the Twitter, the, no, sorry, the bank account, not the Twitter account, <laughs> uh, the, the bank account of, well, imagine if Fulmanus Apollo had all the money in the Please world. Please don't do this. Twitter account. Yeah, um, of a man called David, right? Uh, David Windsor, who, when Ugo Monia tweeted the photo of Emily Scarrett the other day, replied saying, I bet you all the money in the world... Not a single Mayo rugby player in any division would pay to go and watch a women's rugby match. 
For, okay. Okay. So he has, he's somehow gained all the money in the world. That's why no one would you let him to guess go. how he's Because he it. has all the money in the world. <laughs> he has all the money in the world. Yeah, exactly. Uh, to which, Karis Williams, you know, England player, Red Roses player, replied saying, Hi David, I'm happy to accept the bet from you. I can take bank transfer or check. <laughs> to which he replied, difficult one to prove, with a the chin stroke emoji. Uh, Karis Williams then replied, at Sean O'Brien, the island, yeah. you know, currently London Irish, at Sean O'Brien, 1987. Hope you're well. Did you enjoy Wasp Blue Lightning game on Saturday? <laughs> he then replied, very much so. Great game of... <laughs> great game to watch from both sides. Fair play. That's that's good. Well done, Karis Williams. And well done, David, the Martian, for acquiring all the money yeah. in the world with his so, accomplice 2CPC. However, all the money in the world, we can track it, has gone from Andy Gomesol to David the Martian to now Carries Williams, you know, uh, England women's winger. Yeah, she now owns all the money in the world. She now owns all the money in the world. Okay. Next time you want to order a pizza, you've got to ask okay, her. Okay, okay. Thank you for um, for tracking that for us. If that money goes anywhere, we'll have to keep an eye out, okay? Yeah. I, d- I wonder if she gave Sean O'Brien a tip. She must have done. And I mean, we know Tootsie Peasy has some money because he was the accomplice to David the Martian. Oh, of course. Yeah, somehow okay. acquired all the money in the world. Oh, wait, no, no, no. But that's the thing. Dave, David the Martian didn't tip off because he offered all the money in the world on the bet. Yeah. So clearly he's nicked it back off, PC. Yeah. So do you think he had like an inside bet with PC? If you throw seven switches in this game, then I will. Then I have to you keep know, And he only threw six. Yeah. So he, he got his money. So David the Martian gains all the money. But although this is in the last nine years, he's had that time to acquire the money. That's true. So, That's true. He's been doing it slowly. He's worked his yeah. way up. But well done, Karis Williams, for now having all the money in the world. It's really impressive, yeah. isn't it? We'll have to rely on Bitcoin now. <laughs> Does that count as money? Is that technically no. money? Like, has, has, has Karis Williams now got all the Monopoly money in the world? No, I don't think so. I think that's ridiculous. She got like she hasn't got like in-game currencies. <laughs> I think that's what we're gonna have to rely on. She's yeah. That's what I, last time I went into a shop and when look, I've got four hundred coins on New Super Mario Bros. Will you accept that? They went no. I am not Toad selling you big coins. <laughs> I actually paid for a pint in Bells the other day. On Animal Crossing. Yeah. How come? No, no not really. Oh right, okay. But I thought you just like you... a bit. Wow, well, I thought you transferred someone some money on Animal Crossing. No, because I paid off all my mortgage. I don't have Animal money. Crossing, unfortunately. No, I, I, that's what I was wondering. Yeah. Um, you've got like the DS one. That's true. I could, I could yeah. dig that out. But I went back to my town for the first time in ages the other day. Oh, nice. Did loads oh, it? of weed. What's your Animal Crossing town called? <laughs> it's called Waitrose. Nice. I like that. Um, <laughs> should we get back into rugby? Let's. Okay, so ten minutes into the second half, mm. Samoa have had a few attacks. There's one in particular where Fotowali hits Mapasura on this wide ball, who hits the line and does this over-the-shoulder offload to Fomana Sapolu, yes. who then has a nice little run. And then there's another one, which is alarmingly a different one to the really sexy one you described earlier. But PC runs this loop where Fomana Sapolu gives this lovely lift ball back mm. to him and it completely bamboozles the South African defence they have no idea how to get around that but yeah PC steps through a few people offloads to Williams who then sends the ball through to Elangi's legs weirdly <laughs> and the ball is then recovered by Tusi PC 
who mm. then drops the ball off to George Stowers, who crashes through and scores for Samoa. Yes. It's, it's a really nice try. And you so just nice. sense it coming for a long time, couldn't you? Yeah. That eventually this defence was going to crack. And you say, I mean, the try was obviously scored by a forward and from short range, but it felt like a back's try. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's great. It's clinical as well. Yeah. Because Samoa have had a lot of chances where they've really created space and they've looked like they could score, but this is the one they managed to take. They had you know? to score that to stay in the game. And it is the closest they get. You know, the second closest would be the layer one where he gives away the penalty that then yeah. triggers the whole 20 minutes of yeah. talking about whatever. Um, but yeah, it's a it's a really nicely taken. Stowers comes in quite sneakily, you know, yeah. like you almost don't notice him there with the ball until he's crossing the line. Uh, and, you know, before Nigel gives it. Because you think he's got just short as well from the angle we initially saw. Yeah. But no, he's scored. Yeah, but the all of the lead-up and the playing and the interplay and the kind of understanding where each other will be is so nice. Yeah. As you say, that kind of... They had such a balance between Bosch and Flair. And yeah. it's properly at its best and on show there. Yeah. And as you say, the understanding between these players is phenomenal. To say that, like, mm. George Peasy hadn't, didn't even make it on in this game. Yeah, playing on you couldn't. You couldn't break that up. You could maybe put them on the wing, but you're yeah. not taking either of those off. No, like, there's no way you're breaking up that midfield playing that no. well. And you're not taking those wingers off. Lemmy had a scorching game. Yeah, exactly. You're not cha- the only person you could take off is Paul Williams, yeah. who does come off. Yeah, are we going to skip ahead to that now? Now we can here? do. We can well, do. We might as well. Yeah. So there's one thing I have to say about it, and that is this. So, wait. Sorry, was that Steve Diamond back? <laughs> yes, it was. No, sorry. Paul Williams is holding Heinrich Rousseau in a wrap. Mm. It happens all the time. Heinrich sure, Rousseau yeah. makes a thing out of it and starts sort of not hitting him, but sort of, I guess, hitting he, his, like, his Yeah, arm he's hitting his arm to, to try and get, him, get off. him off. Yeah, in that way happens, and all, and sometimes on replays can made to uh, can be made to look quite violent, but yeah. isn't really. Yeah, and it's perfectly legal what they're both doing. Sure. It's just a bit of argy-bargy. And then Paul Williams just turns around and twats him in the face. Yeah. I mean, it's a it's an interesting one because it's not an open... No, sorry, it's an open palm to the face. Yeah. But it's a strike with force. It's not quite so, a punch. No. But I think a red card is still the right call. Safe to say. I feel like if a TMO was able to see it, it would be a yellow... But because at the time it had to go off the touch judge, yeah, um, and because it kind of knocks Brissot over, you know, I think it causes him to stumble and then he falls to the floor and holds his face. Yeah, but he falls to his knees and kind of holds he his face. It a like, tiny bit. Dare he I does say. milk it a little bit. Um, yeah. But he's no one's had blank. It's his job. Yeah, because it could only be the touch judge who steps in and said anything. Oh, true. His angle. He's seen a punch, hasn't he? Yeah, he's seen or he's seen something you know different. He hasn't seen kind of it's an open palm necessarily. Yeah. So when he says to Nigel Owens deliberate strike to the face which is what it was you have to give a red card for that yeah, you know absolutely. and especially because there isn't there hasn't been a replay on the video at this point you know yeah. so you're kind of going oh that has to be a red card you know i missed it but deliberate strike to the face yeah that's a that's a red card and worth saying this is the 33rd game of this world cup and that's the first red card yes. uh of the whole tournament so the only one isn't it yeah it's the only red card in yeah the only tournament. red card yeah. yeah there's none of them that are that controversial really uh this no. is the only one but yeah, yeah I, th- I think 
There is a question mark of whether it's a red card, don't get me wrong, hmm. because of the flat palm nature of it. But frankly, his palm's flat so he doesn't get sent off. Like he knows if he punches him properly, yes, he gets sent that's off. That's true, that's, that's true. That's the only yeah. reason why he has a flat palm. So I think it's fair enough that he gets sent off. Which I think is, again, what sparked for Manu Sapolo saying all these things. He gave a red card. Uh, because it's always a big decision, especially in these days, because they were that rare. Yeah, the, a red card is a big decision that can, that has to be taken very seriously, and it was a red card. I think he hits a man in the face. Yeah, yeah. It. I don't think it impacts it the scoreline or anything, but it is the card. most red card thing to have happened in this tournament as well. Yeah, like there are things that have happened since that would now be red cards. Yeah, such as a tackle Sam Warburton makes in the semi final, which obviously wasn't given at the time. But Didn't happen. This was the yeah he made a tackle that was penalised, but it wasn't a you know like nowadays it'd be a red card, but it wasn't at the time and it wasn't given at the time. But so this is the only thing where you look at it and go like yeah that's that's you know I'm not going to argue with that being a yeah. red card, even if I think my instinct says yellow because it's open yeah. palm and so on. But and I wanted it to not be a red, right. even though there's only ten yeah, minutes yeah. left. But... And also there's a little bit of Kane Thompson does that in the first half. Really, I yeah. missed that. Kane Thompson does it to, I think it might be Rousseau as well. It's one of the Springbok flankers. Oh, it's either him or Berger. He needs to milk it more next time. Yeah. yeah. I don't know if it is that, because nice has a word with him. Wait, Heinrich Brousseau, world-class open side flanker, gets twatted by his second row, stays stunting. A fullback hits him and he rolls around on the floor. Yeah. What a yeah, pussy. That's how it works. <laughs> Whoa, Eliotta. When did you get here? When did you turn up? Ah, uh, hello. Eliotta, do you want to sign for sale sharks? Wait, no, you're not a South African. I've just publicly called 100% a pussy. I yes, you have. Yes, you have. Done that. Yes, you have. Done that. The problem is you're editing this, so you can take this out. Yeah. But I hope you don't. <laughs> I want this challenge. I want this street fight between yeah. you and Heinrich Brousseau. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> no, I can tell you don't, but Heinrich does. <laughs> can we put all the money in the world on it? Can we bet on it? No, we'll have Karis. Yeah, yeah. Ask Karis yeah. if she can do it and... If I somehow manage to batter Heinrich Brousseau. No, there's no way, yeah, there's no way the odds on that are going to be any good. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say. Well, if I somehow manage to batter Heinrich Brousseau, you manage to get all the money in the world times whatever the odds are. Okay, okay. So um, you get all the money in the world William, and potentially Mars? You are my brother. Yeah. Okay. I respect you <laughs> no, a you great don't. deal. But. I, okay, I have a level of respect for you. Okay. It's like the bit in The Social Network where Mark Zuckerberg says, yes, you have my attention, you have the minimum amount. You have a level of my respect, you know. I recognise that you are a human being. Okay. Look, I'm sure it, there are many things you can do. I haven't seen many of them, to be honest. But I'm just going to say, I don't think you're going to beat Heinrich Brousseau in a fight. Look. I totally see what you're saying. Hmm. I would like to back myself uh, in all areas, you know, like I sure. do um, uh, when I'm recording this in all aspects, like when I'm playing rugby or whatever. But I think you have a point. I don't remember just how beat the shit out of me. Yeah. <laughs> Let's carry on. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I, I stand by that as a decision, as an idea. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um Okay, so we've had the red card. Um, The final quarter, all I have written down in my notes for some reason is the word bubbling, but spaced out quite far apart because it was bubbling those last 10 minutes. Well, I've got a few things to talk about. Firstly, basically like the next passage of play after 
Williams gets sent off. Samoa mm. get a, a free kick, kick it downfield. Then yes. they eventually spread the ball a bit. And John Schmidt gives away this really stupid yellow card. Oh, yeah. Where he deliberately knocks the ball on. And then he can't understand it. No. He starts appealing like, what have I done? It's like, no, it's you like... deliberately knocked the ball. You slapped the ball down. Yeah. It's as clear as the yellow card. Very clear. So that happens. So as a, they're, they're even numbers in the end, so it's 14 on 14. The yeah. red card doesn't really make much of a difference. But yeah, very stupid yellow card from Schmidt, who'd only just come on as well. Like It was his first passage of play on the field. Uh, he got sent back off, which is quite funny. And he'd been um, given a big eulogy by the, the, the UK commentators about how great he is and how he's played. Because it was the game where he equaled Osdurand's record for most South African World Cup appearances. Mm-hmm. And he instantly gets binned for the rest of the game, which is how you mark a Springbok record, frankly. Do you remember this? It was the Scarlet's Toulouse game, where it was the mad one where Regan King set up that try in the last play. That game, mm. there's yeah, yeah. a point where a second row comes onto the field and then gives away a professional foul. And then he says to the referee, oh, I've just come on. It was Chris, Chris White was refereeing. Yeah. He says, oh, I've just come on. And he goes, yeah, now you're going off again. And it's just like, <laughs> yeah, it's a very good yeah. thread of logic. There's another point where I've got David Lemmy and then I've tried to draw the fire emoji. Okay, I've done yes. that once or twice before, where he ducks under a tackle and he sprints half the length of the field. And even watching it back, a part of me, knowing the score, part of me thought he was going to make it. I thought yeah. he'd stepped Lamby. Lamby did very well to clutch onto his ankles. Oh, Samoa have a couple of attacks in the last 10 minutes where you think they could do it. But yeah. then so did the Springboks, frankly. The yeah. Springboks pick up again in the last 10 minutes, oh, yeah, I think, once sure. those two cars happen. And the game becomes bubbling. Yeah. And it is properly everyone going at it. You know, it's, also, a, it's a Barney, I believe is the word. Also, I've just remembered about uh, a quote from Pat Lambie in the week before this game, mm-hmm. where he'd said, they'd sort of asked him, oh, yeah, how do you feel coming in at fullback against Samoa? You know, very threatening team. And he just said, well, everyone's ankles are the same size. Yes. Which just isn't true. <laughs> Alessandro Tulangi's ankles are a lot bigger than David Lemmy's, but, you know, fair enough. The, the logic applied. He went through for everyone's ankles, and that was how he scragged Lemmy down for what would have been not the winning try, but the try that would have put Samoa in a good position to maybe go on and win. I don't know. Mm. But it was a very important tackle by Lambie, which I think it's safe to say he saved their bacon. Yes. Yes, I think that's fair. There's a lot of really good scramble defence by both sides. Yeah. Like, it's not the kind of game where you give a winger man the match, but Brian Habana is outstanding every yeah. time he has to be involved. Yeah. You know, like, there's a few times he just... I think he only has the ball, like, four or five times. But yeah. he's constantly dangerous. He chases kicks phenomenally well. Both, yeah. you know, the one he obviously wins in the air, but the pressure he puts on as well. And defensively, he's covering absolutely everything. He takes his try... Yeah. As I said, I you know, I kind of talked about it quite glowingly at the start, but... I, Brian Habani is brilliant throughout the game. It? It's not the kind of game where you can ever give a winger man the match, Peterson. but he does. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Peterson's very, very like beyond and solid. Not hard as well that Banner goes off injured for Francois Hohard quite early on in the second half, who then mm. goes off injured and Jean de Villiers ends up playing on the wing. Yeah. So they're down to their third reserve left winger at that point, and they all do a very good job in that position. Yeah. Yeah. There's another point in my notes in the last. 15 minutes or so, where I just have written down Sapolu break, holy shit. I can't quite remember yes. what happened there, but oh no, no, I don't remember what happened. He, that was when he runs sideways and then he just. He sort of straightens up and steps. Yeah. And he's gone. And it's, it's yeah, a pretty horny step as well that he managed yes. to get around somebody and his feet are so quick. And he managed to feed the ball into Tuolangi, did he? Oh, maybe. Or did he go himself yeah. in the end? I can't remember. But. No, he, it's Mapasua. It's Mapasua's outside him. Mapasua's out on the wing. Right, yeah, 
and there's another one where sort of five minutes or so to go, Samoa have a last attack at the South African try line, hmm. and I've there's a point where I thought he was going to make the line, Fernando <laughs> Sapolo that is, and he steps back in, and he nearly managed to make it after Samoa had been rumbled through the forwards for ages, yeah. and then Sapolo manages to step in field, and South Africa just did not see it coming, and I can't, I think it might have been Space got under the ball uh, to hold it up, and hmm. South Africa lived. To see another day. Yeah. Uh, it's, I enjoyed this game enormously. Yeah. It's a game I would recommend watching on the YouTube. Yeah. Because it is all up with Georgian comms if you want to yeah. see it on YouTube. There's also, sorry, my last two points mm. I have on this game. I'm whether We're more or less ready to wrap up here. Uh, oh, there's, there's three. There's there's another nice Lemmy break, but mm. the, you take that for granted. Yeah. At one point, Fumano Sapolo absolutely nails Skulkberger without a minute to go. Yes. Yes, and, yes, and yes. puts him on his ass, which is, talk about punching him over your weight, like a much yeah. bigger man running at him, and he just nails him. It was great. And then the last thing I want to talk about is Joe Takori, replacement second run. Yes. Coming on and outpacing Mornay Stain. Like, he is so much faster than him as well. And sometimes you see it like X7's players and whatever. A lot of South Seas players, to be honest, are yeah. very, very quick. And it's not unusual to see back row forwards or, set, or whatever outpacing fly halves. But he is so much quicker than him. Joe Takori is a kind of hilarious player to exist. Yeah. Because he's a second row who is too heavy to lift and jump at the line-out, especially these days, and yeah. yet he is lightning quick and still is aged 35. Yeah. Nothing about Joe Takiori makes sense, and yet he is excellent. I've seen him play basically every... Well, I've seen him play every position in the forwards other than the front row, and I've somehow mm. never seen him play in the back line. Because he, yeah. he plays like a centre. He does. He plays. He, he runs like a centre. He's got. He certainly had the pace of a centre. He's now got the pace of like quite a quick back rower. Yeah. And he, as I say, he's now like thirty six or something. Yeah. And he's still playing. And he, you know, he's going to be one of those players that plays until he literally drops down dead. Yeah. Uh, and I am completely here for it. Oh yeah, for sure. He's yeah. He's thirty six. Well, next week he turns thirty seven. Oh. Oh, happy birthday to him. When's yeah. his birthday? Um, he's thirty six years and three hundred and fifty eight days old. So okay. Next week, although it's a leap year, bear in mind. So, um, oh. yeah, next week he uh, turns thirty-seven, and he's still lightning. <laughs> yes, what a what a guy, what a player. Um, yeah. I should mention while we're talking about the second row, right? Uh, another player who I think deserves mention for the his contribution to this game yeah. is Victor Matfield in the second yes. row for the Springboks, who captain for the game as well with Schmidt on the bench. Yeah. So Victor Matfield, right, famous for being probably the best lineup forward of all time. Mm-hmm. I don't think there's actually that much argument over no, that. I don't think so. He would infamously learn, you know, he taught himself Maori languages, he taught himself Welsh, he taught himself French, Italian, you know, the crack line out codes. He would spend hours studying footage, like before this was a big deal, before this was a big thing. Yeah. He would do everything he could to crack the line out code of opposition teams and win and disrupt as much ball as possible. This game was maybe his finest achievement because he cracked the phenomenal, phenomenal Samoan line-out, right, which had this incredibly complicated, detailed strategy. It was like he had to build like his own Rosetta Stone of, you know, kind of translation in order to master the art of the Samoan line-out and the complicated move they were running, right? Yeah. And when he translated that, when he came out of the finished Rosetta Stone, he, he looked at the statement in front of him and he cracked the line-out code. And the line-out code was, throw it to Dan Leo every single time. <laughs> 
So you watch it. Every single line out, Victor Matfield is just watching Danileo. He then gets up in the air and disrupts the ball, which means, despite the fact that Samoa throw all but I think one line out, there's one line that they throw. T- they throw Thompson Thompson takes one back. or two. Yeah, yeah. In the second half, first half they're throwing everything to Leo, uh, apart from one which they throw to Hans Fasavalo at the front, where they kind of like after they realise Victor Matfield is disrupting everything. Leo doesn't make a clean lineup take until the second half. Wow. He just, like, Victor Matfield causes such a nuisance because Samoa have no ideas other than throw to their one really good line-out option. Yeah. Fair play. That's a good bit of analysis. I didn't didn't clock that. Well done, Victor Matfield. Yeah. Yeah, the dark art. Yes. Or the, not particularly... No, the the, very simple art in this particular case. Yeah, like slightly grey art. Yeah. Um, Should we move on to our closing segment? Let's. Let's. Should we begin with Dick of the Day? Okay, I mean it's a very obvious one. Uh, <laughs> yeah, spoken about at length. I, I can't, I can't avoid giving it to him. I've got a couple of contenders. Yeah, well, I had written down Paul Williams, but yes. I think on the flip side of that, I have to give it to Heinrich Brasseau for getting twatted by a fullback. <laughs> okay, okay, you're not giving it to the obvious dick of the day. No. Okay. Well, I mean, it has to be Eliotto Fuamazzo Polo. Yeah, it does. It like, I can't does. not give it to Eliotto Fuamazzo Polo. But I do want to mention two things, right? There are In two... fact, no, no, no. I, I'm overruling myself. It's Fuamazzo Polo. It's Fuamazzo Polo. Ridiculous like... to not give no, it no, to. No, okay, him. okay. Do we give two votes to Fuamazzo Polo and an additional okay. dick of the day each? I think that's fair. So Given we have is two Samoa's votes last for him. game, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. Of course, we get Samoan leaving party. Yeah. Forgot about that. Yeah. So we have Fuamazzo Polo as an automatic dick of the day. And, like, that's for outside tournament stuff as well. <laughs> However, we also get to choose one. And one of my contenders is Alizana Tuolangi, who at one point tries to make a high tackle and misses by going too high <laughs> over the guy's head. Like, he's aiming just, like, forearm smack in the face, and he goes too high and misses his head, which is a dick-of-the-day-worthy contender. Yeah. However, I think my other non-filmed Apollo dick-of-the-day <laughs> is Wayne Barnes. Interesting. Why? So, the first half, Wayne Barnes pops up on the touchline a couple of times. And you kind of saw him going, oh, look, there he is on the touchline. You know, he corrects Nigel on the knock-on decision. There's a couple of other bits where he, you know, like he suggests a penalty and he kind of penalizes mm-hmm. someone. And then in the second half, he he isn't there. And what? at one point, Nick Mullins on commentary goes... So we'll come over to Wayne Barnes, who's got his flag out. And then he goes, oh, it isn't Wayne Barnes. It's someone else. And it's just some other guy. So Wayne Barnes just didn't come out for the second half. And I then was what? checking, like, has he swapped touchline? Like, no, he just isn't there for the second half. Wayne Barnes just doesn't he come just out. He just goes up. home. Yeah. He just what? went, right, I've seen enough, lads. You know, South Africa What's won this, so I'm just going to go home. Yeah, what? I don't know if, yeah, like he was, you know, late to pick up the kids or something, or if he got injured or in whatever, New Zealand. You know, it occasionally happens that, uh, yeah, exactly, it's really late, he's got to get a flight. So I don't know what happened, but Wayne Barnes didn't come out for the second half. That's ludicrous. Fair play, that's yeah. a good spot, again. Yeah. That's a, a worthy secondary dick of the day. And for you? Oh, it's 100% for getting twatted by a fullback. Oh, of course, yeah, okay, fair, fair enough, yeah. Uh, should we do Mottam? Yes. So I have written down a lot of Samoan players. Mapasua, Lemmy. I mean, Brissot mm-hmm. was great. 
uh, Bismarck Duplessis was so good uh, on the floor and, you know, set piece helped South Africa massively. And yeah, I have an ethical pickle because my man of the match, <laughs> I want to give it to Eliotta Fulmana Sapolu because I just can't see past him. I just can't see another player who played as well as him. But also he was a massive twat after the game finished. So yeah. is that acceptable to give it to Fulmana Sapolu or do I have to... I... See, okay, now I think there's a lot of contenders in the mix. You know, I think Bismarck Duplessis and Schrockberger are very, very good for the Springboks. Yes. And I think actually Mornay Stains is quite a good Mornay job Stains of kind of keeping a lid on stuff. Him. You know, yeah. He managed yeah. the game so well. Yeah. And a game that's very difficult to control because the opposition is so up for it, so aggressive and playing yeah. so well. You know, like there isn't a strength for the small you can try in the gate. Yeah. Like they're just incredibly passionate, incredibly fired up and incredibly, incredibly good and have an all round game. Yeah. So, yeah. So that's quite tricky. But I think my man of the match for that midfield on behalf of them is Leila Mapasua. Okay, that's Because fair. I think the two of them were foils for each other. The two centres yes. really well. Absolutely. And I think two CPC as well. You know, Mapasua, the, the three of them combined really class. well. Yeah. Yeah. So I think my man of the match is Leila Mapasua. Oh, is my Fulana Sapolo? Is that Okay. You're gonna have to. You're gonna have to make that call. You're gonna yeah. have to make that decision. I can't make it for you. Look, he was the best player on the pitch, even though. Yeah. I I don't disagree condemn. with you, but I think the two of them work together so well. Yeah, I condemn so, everything he said post match, and yeah. I want to make that very clear. I condemn it massively, but in the game of rugby, the the, the rugby player, not the person, Eliotta Fulmanatopoulou, was the best player on the pitch in my eyes. So he's getting my other match. Okay. I hate myself. Okay. That brings us on to our Samoa leaving party. This is the first result when you type Samoan rap into Google. <laughs> nice. We say Tofa to Samoa. Wait, you should play DJ Khaled. It's fine, we're here now. Okay, <laughs> never mind. We say Tofa to Samoa, which is apparently, according to Google, goodbye in Samoan. Tofa. Thoughts on Samoa, this tournament? Uh, wasn't he on the flank for them as well? Who? Too far. <laughs> Too far. There we are. Never mind. Uh, Samoa are really, really good, aren't they? Yeah, they're very good. Um, they're comfortably the best team we've had to say goodbye to. Probably the best team that went out in the pool stages. Agreed. 100%. Sorry, Scotland. Yeah. yeah. No, I agree. And as you say, they they would have at least put up a fight against any tier one nation and beaten the majority of them. Oh, no. Oh, no. I just glanced over the video from the Samoan rap I was playing in the background. And there is loads of anti-trans and anti-abortion stuff in the video. Never mind. Never mind. Let's leave that out. Yeah. Okay. DJ Khaled time. (laughs) It's been a heavy day in the office, hasn't it? It has a bit, and you know what you need to unwind? You need a little bit of DJ Khaled. Oh, and another one. <laughs> DJ Khaled. Okay. Um, yeah, no, but back on track with Samoa. Um, I absolutely yeah. agree that they would have beaten a lot of Tier 1 teams, stood up to yes. all of them, frankly, and yeah. they didn't disappoint in this World Cup. The The 15 they had out was there's so many just absolutely world-class players. And I think if I were to pick a player of the tournament for them, it's difficult to see past Salerno Mapasua. I was going to say the same thing. Hitting at my midfield. And so important to not only their structure, but leadership. 
massive. And just yes. sometimes you just need a big lad you can give it to who can offload. And he always provided that. So him and Foto Ali is the other one that I'd point out. Oh, he managed was very, games very really good. well. And obviously I think he was really they're... good at the Ospreys afterwards. Yeah. Oh, it was the beginning of that period of him being the best nine in the world. That sort of came yeah. out of nowhere. Um, no one yeah. saw it coming, but it happened. You know, he was very, very good. So, yeah, no, I think Mapasua was unbelievably good. I think Phil Mondesapolo, whenever he saw him, was very good. Alexander Tuolangi, obviously incredibly yeah. dangerous. Uh, I think their most crucial player, as we saw when he wasn't there, was Tuzi PC, who added such shape yeah. and structure to oh, them. Oh, yes! As well as pace. Because the obvious dick of the tournament is Teresa Levea. Is he the obvious dick of the tournament? <laughs> that was a good, sorry, yes. yes. Sorry. Just is, someone playing very badly, isn't it? Yeah, that? I was about to say, oh, who's our dick of the tournament going to be? Obviously, it's Phil Manasopoulou. He gets a vote for that. But also, as you say, to say Silvea for being that shit and actually being called out by Phil Manasopoulou afterwards for being so shit. <laughs> oh, yeah. Which is a bit of a dick of the day contender type stuff. Yeah. So I think you're right. Cesar Levea takes a close second. Not a close second. Takes second place after Fulmano Sapolu for dick of the tournament. There is no argument over that whatsoever. We haven't mentioned their pack though, which were very, very good. Yeah. So George Stowers, Fasavalu was very good. Yeah. Both second Rose and Leo and Thompson. Highly. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, was, I was hugely impressed. Mo Schwalger. Mo Schwalger's he was a world-class player around this point and such a good captain yeah Samoa were good Samoa as you say best team that we've had to say goodbye to so far and it's a shame uh, having watched all of the uh, Samoan 2011 team and having mm. no more of it to come but yeah yeah great team okay no absolutely and as we said on a couple of episodes like the best Samoan team in professional rugby you know yeah. since since the game went professional it's the, the best Samoa been by a distance, you know. And it's, they're really unlucky, you know. And as I interviewed Mapasua a few months ago. Of course you did. And, yeah, he said he just views the whole thing as a massive missed opportunity. Really? And he struggles to look back on it well. You know, he struggles to be nostalgic about how yeah. good they were or them being Australia. You can because, tell that in this game, frankly. Yeah, because he felt like they could have done something. You know, they could have made the knockouts. They could have gone far. They were good enough to. Just yeah. they, they were really unlucky in two games. Yeah. Okay, before we finish, I have one last yes. thing that I'd like to talk about. Cool. So, in the previous episode, we read out a couple of reviews. Uh, mm-hmm. Some lovely stuff was said in there. Uh, however, we've had one review that's come in in the last couple of days, which okay. says, See you in court, is the title of the review. It then says, How dare you make much slanderous comments about me on uh, this podcast, Will Owen. Sure, I made mistakes in my time, but this was a personal attack. You better prepare all your silent lawyers, buddy. Five stars. <laughs> Who's that from? That is from Frimpool, F R I M P O L E. Do you do you know who that is? No. Okay. I was genuinely quite scared for a moment <laughs> because there's probably slant. We've probably said something slanderous at some point. Yeah. Like if Andy Gomesol listened or something. <laughs> I don't know, but uh, I assume somebody is in on the bit that is this podcast. Okay. I mean, okay. obviously they are, because they've given us five stars and told us to prepare our silent lawyers. But still. Sure. Sure. Uh, thank okay. Thank you for listening. Thank you for giving us five stars, mister. Uh, and yeah, I can't wait to see you in court, man. <laughs> Just yeah. to hang out. Hope you're yeah. doing well. Yeah, oh, for sure. We should hang out in court. and. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Maybe uh, see if we can get a little bit of that money. Wait. Wait, do you mean the money that currently belongs to... 
England winger coach. I mean, what other money is there to talk about? Well, we don't know if we don't know if two CPC still has the money. We don't know if two CPC still has the money. No, because the guy bet all the money in the world. But he might have kept it on pass. Oh, he could have been lying, actually. Yeah, it could have been. There's only like twenty quid on Earth now. (laughs) That could be. That could be the case. In which case, it's like anti-inflation through the roof. So we should be able to buy quite a lot. Yeah, with twenty quid. I would suggest that you know people give to your Patreon or whatever. But I mean. Karis Williams, no money. if you're listening, yeah. give this guy a, f- a fair cut on the Patreon. Yeah. It's a shame, isn't it? It's a, yeah. it's a real shame. Okay. Is that us? Are we happy? Yeah. It Good. was a fun episode, wasn't it? Yes. Yes. <laughs> There's a lot to get through there. Yeah. Um, join us next time when it's a very different vibe as Australia beat Russia 68-22. Um, we're hoping to have guests lined up for that, but we'll, we'll see how stuff goes. Following that, France play Tonga in a game yeah. that surely must go France's way. Easy. Easy win for France. Yeah. We're coming right in on the end of the pool stage. Uh, there are only seven games left in the pool stage now. So, I mean, we're getting into a shape in which a lot of teams have qualified. Yeah. So England qualified. Uh, but we don't know if Scotland or Argentina will go through with them. New we Zealand were the only team going. Yeah. Oh, so no, England hadn't qualified. So the only team that qualified, as we are now, are Wales, South Africa, New Zealand. Right. England, very close to qualifying. England are good as qualified. I think they need a, a point out of the Scotland game. They need Scotland to like not batter them. France, uh, France, uh, France, uh, France will beat Tonga, so that doesn't need yeah. to come up. Yeah, no worries. And Argentina just need to beat Georgia in order to secure it. So, and I think, again, Australia, very close. They need like a point against Russia or something. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, we're, we're, we're coming up on the end of the pool stage, which is quite exciting. Yeah. And we'll see you for another one very soon. Oh, and after that, we're going to do, we'll do a week off. We're going to do a Christmas special the following week because we oh, realize yeah. it's coming up on Christmas. Yeah. Uh, so we're going to take a week off and do something different on Christmas week. There will be a podcast still going up. It'll be something not, it won't be on a game from the World Cup. And then we'll return after that. Yeah. Bye. Okay. See you very much. Bye. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 